So um, we're both fans, obviously, of of the YouTube channel Nando V Movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's had a really great series lately casting the X-Men in the MCU when they, you know, inevitably get brought brought over. Mm-hmm. You know, highly encourage all the listeners to check it out. We've both watched all the all the videos and, and uh, you know, we could debate that if we wanted or, or talk about it at some point. But he set aside an entire video for the character of Wolverine. Obviously, that's, you know, going to be the cornerstone is one of the most popular comic book characters in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm excited because he picked Jared Kiso of Letterkenny. Spoilers. <laughs> who... I think would be absolutely perfect, but I want to put forward an alternate casting. Okay. <laughs> now on Facebook, I said that they should do this in, in the MCU. That's not exactly, they absolutely, they would never, they would never do this in the MCU. It wouldn't fit with anything else mm-hmm. to it. Maybe if James Gunn made like an auteur <laughs> or like, you brought in fucking Jim Jarmusch to make an X-Men movie. <laughs> and and it just wasn't, you know, because you could never do continuity based off of something like that. It would be too fucking weird. But mm-hmm. I want Tom Waits as Wolverine. Right. I'm friends with you on Facebook, so I've yeah. seen... And I've, I've, <laughs> I've floated the idea before, by you before that also. It's just <laughs> all of... So... There's so many sides to Wolverine. He's such a fascinating, you know, multifaceted character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the there's the his, you know, barely containing going into rage and, you know, the fight between humanity and, you know, just a more angry nature, but also having a sense of like propriety, of of world weariness, of age, of, you know, all these things are important part of Wolverine, but he also needs to be kind of a lowlife. He needs to be at home in the scummy, you know, back bars of Madripoor, drinking himself into oblivion until somebody, you know, fucks with it. The, fucks the with the wrong thing. guy. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's that's Tom Waits to a T. <laughs> at least the being home in a scummy bar part. He's kind of got the look. He's a little tall. You know, he's a lot mm-hmm. tall. He's like 5'10", 5'11". Then I don't know. Everyone's the same kind of short to me. I'm six four. Like <laughs> I don't really, I don't really see. You know, if if you're lower than like six foot, you're all the same to me. But I get that. You know, this is a distinction that matters to other people. And he's not Canadian, but you know, he's weird enough that he could oh, pick whatever. Up anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In this case, I would overlook it. Okay. But I I wrote uh I just, you know, I just want to see the like uh down on Ninth and Hennepin. I'm drinking tequila shots with a fuzzy blue elf and a girl who calls herself Kitty. And the rain soaks down like someone made a goddess cry. Somewhere out there is an albino Russian itching for his next fix. Somewhere out there is a man in a fur coat who always remembers my birthday, even when I can. And they all want to kill me. Eh, probably for good reason. Think about the little Japanese girl with two dead parents who I left behind with a ninja. And how I've been down so long, I need a paraplegic to tell me what's inside my own head. And a tin can, to th- tin man to throw me at my troubles. A one-eyed man tells me to sober up because I got work in the morning. 
Uh, don't matter to me, none. I slept with his wife. <laughs> Can't you see it? It's just it's perfect. In three sentences, you've established an entire continuity. <laughs> <laughs> it just has to happen now. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm excited for it. Oh my gosh. What do you got? As far as life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We did not discuss me having to do a Tom Waits impression. No, I did not. No. <laughs> I did not write anything. I'm not. I can't. <laughs> oh, no. That took me time. <laughs> um, I'm chilling, man. I, uh, I've come up with two ideas for what I'm going to do when I catch up to 616. Oh, yeah. Because I've got less than 20 books left. And I'm reading three, sometimes four books a week. So in about two months-ish, I'll be caught up. That's so, that's so soon. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. So I have two thoughts on the matter. One, yes, I own, like, okay, after Disney bought Lucasfilm. Yeah. Marvel started coming out with Star Wars books that were mm-hmm. canon to mm-hmm. the universe. Mm-hmm. In reaction to that, and out of dumb semi-excitement, I started collecting the Star Wars books. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't I mean, read a single one their... of them. Oh, I didn't know you hadn't read any of them. Uh... <laughs> okay, they put they put you know their their best talent, all the uh, great creators. Oh yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Gil's in there. Jason Aaron's Kieran in there. Aaron. Yeah, Greg Pak. John Cassidy. has is hit or miss, but he's there. Yep. Yeah, they've got some good names. It's all in one box mm-hmm. so far. They have crossover events now. Mm. Of course, this thing called this thing called the War of the Bounty Hunters. Okay, so there's like the first era Mm. of Star Wars books, and I have all of them except for maybe three or four books. Okay, and then there's this new like relaunch from 2020 that is a lot more crossovery. Interesting. And like they all started at the same time. Well, it's like Star Wars Bounty Hunters, Star Wars, Star Wars Vader, and Star Wars Dr. Afra are the four main titles. Yeah. All of them, volume three is a crossover event, War of the Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. And then volume four, which isn't out yet, are all Crimson Rain crossover. Okay. So I could start reading those. That's a hell of a. Yeah. Thing. It's an undertaking. What I could also do, I could start rereading Ultimate Marvel. Okay. Because Ultimate Marvel is wild. Okay. And that's a thought. But there's four boxes of that. Also, in doing this comic book catalog, which I've finished, by the way, as of, yeah. last, as of, as of June 19th, I have identified the six books that I do not own from the <laughs> Ultimate Marvel Universe. Wow. I went and found them on stream on Amazon. I bought them. So, <laughs> sorry, eight books. Yeah. So, by the, once it's all shipped and here, I will own the entire Earth 1610 continuity. Can I make two more suggestions for what you do after you catch up? 
Mm-hmm. Suggestion one. You deliver me from 1999. I jump ahead two years and we start reading new X-Men together. Oh. Mm-hmm. Suggestion two. You deliver me from 1999 <laughs> and we read Sandman together. Oh. Because I am overdue for a reread of Sandman and the Netflix series is coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be nice to have read it before it starts. Okay. I could see doing either of those. Okay. With new X-Men, I did. Okay. So I can't find volume three of the big, of the big Mm. thing with all the big reveals and retcons and stuff. Yeah. But I did buy it on Kindle. Okay. So it's sitting on my tablet. It's ready to go to, you know, once we decide to do that, because volumes one and two are on my recommendation bookshelf. Yeah. So that would be fun. Okay. But also Sandman. But also Sandman. So I've only read, so I've read the first volume of Sandman twice. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. read the second volume once. Okay. Yeah. And it's good, but I don't know if it's for me. I get I get it. It, it changes a lot. It mm. like it doesn't start really the main plot until the third volume. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff, especially in the second volume. The first mm-hmm. volume is kind of up and down, like they're really finding their footing as far as like yeah. is this in continuity DC? Is this like mm. a horror book or is it gonna be allowed to do its own thing? So it was kind of like kind of pigeonholed into like a genre and a continuity at first that didn't really fit it. Like I said, there's still a lot of good stuff in there. I do think that you will like it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, we could do both. We could. Yeah. I I would find more urgency behind Sandman just because it's coming out so soon. It's the... The the release date for the first episode is August 5th. Okay. Well, because I am leaving on a cruise for the second mm. half of July. Okay. So I could get the volumes on Kindle and just read on the boat. Interesting. And then we could have a big-ass fucking... Sandman talk one primer basically yeah uh, well at least like the first couple volumes or something sure yeah i don't know let me sit on it okay let me okay. sit on it i'm not saying no okay third time might be the charm i'm just uh if you've got something to push you through you know because like just your idea of what the book is expands and changes so much after mm. like you you kind of get introduced to the endless and like some of his like journeys across time and like different places and and things that dream is to other beings in other you know contexts mm-hmm. in the second volume we get that a little bit and just like the side stories are what absolutely makes it mm-hmm. but like Really, the main drama of like dream and the and the endless coming together kind of really sets off in the third volume. Okay. Or <laughs> you start to get context in the third volume. I forget if it actually sets off, but you know, it's <laughs> it's a slow meandering game and e tale, right? But the payoff is exquisite. 
And there's more than just the payoff. Like I said, the side stories are really what right. makes the whole thing tick. But okay. having okay. too many side stories before you know kind of like the container that it all fits in or what it's about can be a little jarring. jarring. So it is I mean, this start. this this could be another Hickman Fantastic Four situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I'm familiar with Gaiman's legacy and some of Gaiman's work. That right. Like I know he's a good writer. Yeah. It's whether or not I'm going to really lean in on what he's doing. Totally. But yeah, I'm I'm down conceptually. Okay. Cool. We'll figure it out. Cool, cool. Figure out timing. Before we get into comics. Yes, the podcast that we're recording. Yes. Oh, should we do an intro? <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast. Did I say podcast? I thought I said, said podcast. It said it's a comic. Oh. We have the recording. <laughs> yeah, we can go back, look at the tapes. Okay. <laughs> this is a podcast. My apologies. I. It's fine. We tend to read comic books and talk about them. Will, what did you read this week in your continued quest to read every single Marvel 616 comic book that comes out? It's a great question. Let me tell you. Oof. did amazing spider-man beyond volume two okay the cover being ben riley versus miles morales you weren't too hot on volume one right i was not too hot on volume one but that's primarily because i'm not huge on ben riley also there wasn't much story it was more establishing what Ben Riley's doing with the Beyond Corporation and mm. his relationship with Beyond, as opposed to like, like Ben Riley doesn't have a rogues gallery. Sure. You know, like he's he's also Spider-Man. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's a derivative derivative character. Yeah. Yeah. And when he was doing his Scarlet Spider thing, it was always in a different state even and (laughs) he could just focus on doing him whereas him acting as spider-man because beyond has the copyright for Mm spider-man i don't he's scarlet spider i guess in my head and anytime he's trying to be spider-man it's it doesn't always sure entirely work but anyway so volume two was interesting enough not amazing but we'll see what happens later okay Read Extreme Carnage. Extreme. <laughs> sounded, sounded 90s to me. It's, I mean. I guess Carnage is one how of the many most Carnage, 90s characters. Yeah, how many Carnage adjectives can you really have? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I've made this joke a million times, but I'm really just holding out for a chili con Carnage. Yeah, it's not happening. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a real bummer. I think they've got something that you know. Once they've done every other adjective, they'll they'll come around. They'll see the error of their ways. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, extreme carnage is basically King and Black aftermath mm. set up for the future kind of thing. So cool. I'm putting it on the crossover shelf with King and Black. Like this is a good like. 
uh, what is what do shows call it when they do like it's not like an epilogue, but like a full episode of an epilogue. Yeah, like a coda <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a good coda. Okay. And then oh, this is only a one shot. Darkhawk, cool. Which is random and new. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen Darkhawk. You and I haven't seen it on the pod at all. Yeah. But that's primarily because there haven't been any giant cosmic crossover events. This is the same Darkhawk character from like all the cosmic uh, and new warriors and stuff. It starts out with that. Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Good old. I think his name is Chris Powell. Yeah. Chris Powell. Mm -hmm. He finds this gem in an abandoned amusement park goes by the name of dark Hawk. And then that was just kind of his thing for a bit. And then about almost 20 years ago, they started exploring what the dark Hawk is, what his gem mm-hmm. is. He's actually a, a Raptor. And that's the name of like all the, it's kind of like a space police, but more ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> there was another guy named Talon who's more in touch with the whole thing. They're c- connected to this thing called the Data Song, which isn't compatible with humans, which is why Darkhawk has been so basic for so long. <laughs> <laughs> but the Data Song is basically like stream of consciousness connection to a world mind type thing. Sure. So it's kind of like, Dark and gritty Novacore. Right. Which is hilarious because he shared team, was on a team with Nova so frequently. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so this is that. And we haven't really seen Darkhawk on comic since like Realm of the Kings. Realm of Kings. That is a long time at this point. That was like almost 10 years ago, I think. Hmm. (sighs) But yeah. So it's a relaunch for Darkhawk. And I approached it with an open mind, like I should have with Black Knight. <laughs> or, and it was it's uh it's interesting. Cool. Uh, there's also a side thing that the author does uh, that I that I really like that we'll talk about as well. But yeah, three relatively ranging and interesting books. Cool. I did not read much this week. Uh, it was uh, my buddy Simon, who you met while you were in town, is mm-hmm. uh, is uh, moving away. So we had oh. we had a a weekend full of cube to to celebrate, and cool. uh, I drafted three different cubes this week. And oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, you're in heaven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so I read uh, one volume of Cable. And and that's going to be it for me this week. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Shall we get into it? Let's go. You're starting with right. uh, Spider-Man Beyond. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Vo- Beyond Volume 2. You know why I... Well, I shouldn't have skipped on this, but why I skipped on this is because Nick Spencer's run ended, you know, right before this. And Wait, it's it, Nick Spencer's run is done done for sure? Well... So I guess because they're keeping the same numbering, which is weird, huh? but they've changed writing teams and they've oh, changed focus. Wi- oh, Nick Spencer's run on Beyond, not on Amazing Spider-Man no, in general. on Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, on Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow. Last, vo- last volume was 
Amazing Spider-Man 76 through 80. And it was and Nick Spencer's periods. last volume, you know, volume 16 was Amazing Spider-Man up to 75. Damn, he went out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, and he left so many things <laughs> like <laughs> damn it. Well, I guess <laughs> the, he solved most of it, but like <laughs> gotta leave <laughs> something for the next next writer, I guess. Yeah. But so like it was it was weird because they didn't start renumbering. Mm-hmm. That's what's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. But here we are. <laughs> so volume two. Okay. So the first issue is kind of like a setup issue in okay. the sense that this is the other problem. Is <laughs> <laughs> So Amazing Spider-Man, volume one, and then this first issue are all 76 through 80 point... B-E-Y for beyond. Okay. Weird. So, yeah. So, this first issue is Amazing Spider-Man number 80 dot B-E-Y and also issues 81 through 85. Their alphanumerical fractions just kind of, just completely confuse me. This is the thing that Marvel has done before and done in the past. And it's like, okay, so... Issue one point now is actually a different series than issue one and issue two. That's what I was trying to figure out. And that's why I skipped it. Because I was like, dot B-E-Y, that doesn't make sense. I'm not buying this. (laughs) It's real, real dumb. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, so the first issue is kind of a side issue. And that, hence the beyond. But... It's Aunt May. <laughs> Are we sure it's up. not Spider-Man Beyond B-E-Y for Beyonce? It's, it follows B- <laughs> Aunt May and she goes in. I'm not responding to that. <laughs> and she, so if you remember Peter Parker Coma Hospital. Yeah. That's his whole thing. So <laughs> that's his Aunt entire May, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Aunt May decides to take matters into her own hands. And so she becomes she, the new Spider-Man. Yes, but no, she also calls Otto Octavius. Right. And this is, this is revived Otto. Yep. From Kindred. Yep. And I still don't know if superior Otto is still alive in San Francisco. Right. And man, and Otto have history, et cetera, et cetera. May and Otto used to be engaged. Yeah. And he still flirts with her throughout this entire issue. Gross. <laughs> I agree. So she's like, listen, I know your history. I know you're a bad guy. But if there's anything in, in you that like would be willing to help me, please help me. Yeah. And so he investigates, you know, seeing the crime, sees trace, trace elements of different kinds of radiation. They decide he's like, oh, it's the U-men. Or the UFOs. Okay, because the U-Men is something quite different. Yes. <laughs> so UFOs, okay, we needed we need a stronger sample of two specific ones. X-ray and vapor is are who they need the samples from. They are locked away at a prison that is not the raft. And, <laughs> what? <laughs> right? So they break in. There's a men's wing and a women's ring. Uh, okay. wing. Uh, Vapor is the female member of the UFOs. So Aunt May is like, I'll go talk to Vapor and Otto is going to go talk to X-Ray. Okay. Otto uses force to get 
the samples he needs. Aunt May talks to Vapor and she allows her to get some sample because yeah. end of the day uses her own four, superpower, which is baking cookies and generally yeah. being very sweet. Yeah. So of the the four UFOs, two of them are a little more passive. Vapor is generally a good person with bad circumstances. Sure. And then the big guy whose name I will never remember because <laughs> I've never had to care about the UFOs until <laughs> literally this year. <laughs> um, but the big guy who's like the metal guy, he's he tends to be a little more passive or has been compared okay. to the to the rest of the four. But anyway, Aunt May is just like, listen, your fight with Sp- with the two Spider-Men injured my nephew. Mm-hmm. I, you seem like a good person. I know you don't want collateral damage. Yeah. Like, can I just get a sample? And Vapor's like, yes, of course. <laughs> so anyway, Otto is starting to lose his cool and starts attacking the warden. Aunt May shows up and she's like, stop it. You're supposed <laughs> to be better than this. And he's like, fine for you. Anyway, so she's like, well, this was a mistake. You're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Like, go about okay. your business. Yeah. Get out of here. And then, lo and behold, a secret donor with a bunch of research sent all of its findings to the hospital. Basically, the hospital couldn't figure out what was going on with Peter okay. and with the unique radiation that he was yeah. experiencing. And so that's the whole idea behind this. And so with Otto supplying this data, they're able to treat Pete and Peter is now awake. Okay. And in doing so, Otto in his whole attack found out what the prison is paid for by. And it's paid for by the Beyond uh, Corporation. Mm. Shell companies through shell companies through shell companies beyond. And then the Beyond Corporation is built off of a lot of old Parker Industries tech. Mm -hmm. And Parker Industries was improved upon and and, really created by superior the time when Otto was Otto was when he was Peter Parker. So Otto's pissed. Sure. So now he wants to bring down the beyond corporation. Does he face off against Dirk anger from next wave? How funny would it be if he did, but no, he did not. (laughs) (laughs) So you get this conflict between Ben Riley and Miles Morales, they're both heroes. They're trying to take down this guy called Rhizome, which is basically a giant group without a head. It's like okay. he's like wood. Sure. Wood based. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they deal with them, corporate stuff. Turns out it looks like Maxine, the head of Beyond, seems like she has a symbiote or something trapped in a canister like oh no corporations do yeah it's not what you want yeah again like i feel like they're trying to raise the stakes but the tension just isn't there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the next issue is pete trying to be oh well sorry there's this like serial killer wheeling away people in 
the hospital and using them to feed on their bodies, basically. Okay, gross. Yeah. And then Pete gets taken away and Mary Jane follows him. And this monster thing is highly sensitive to light. And so she takes a flash picture of him and he starts to burn. And then she is able to turn on all the lights. The thing burns away. Mary Jane saves Pete. Sure. Meanwhile, Misty and Colleen, under contract with Beyond, is sent to go retrieve the lizard Hmm. for whatever reason. And then, uh, oh, Pete, since he's conscious, he's like, I have to go be Spider-Man. And so he tries to go out in a Spider-Man outfit and he gets, he tries to stop two people from stealing a car, but (laughs) the uh, web shooter he got Mm -hmm. is like a toy. And he didn't realize that. And so when he went to go like thwip, a little voice goes, go webs, go. (laughs) He gets, he gets hit by the car. The start to beat him. Captain America shows up and saves him. And then, and throws a, throws a shield and Pete doesn't dodge. (laughs) Knocks him out. (laughs) 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 Last thing he sees is Captain America being like, I'm really sorry about that. You usually duck <laughs> and then he passes out. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? And then, gosh, what else? Oh, and then Dr. Octopus storms beyond and is like, uh, oh, he goes to steal this highly guarded hard drive. Okay. Ben Riley tries to stop him. Otto gets away with it anyway because Otto is Otto. Takes the hard drive, decrypts it, comes back to Beyond and is like, this is ridiculous. He goes through like random labs. There's a sandwich department. Excellent. And they have talking psychic sandwiches. This sounds like the Beyond Corp I know and love. Okay. (laughs) There's also a fish, a psychic fish. Okay. That's like giving him crap for being there. Okay, this sounds great. (laughs) Anyway, Otto gets to the penthouse and tells Maxine she's out of place and sullying his tech that he created. Blah, blah, blah. Spider-Man shows up, gets him out of the building. Otto is like, you don't even know what you're doing here. (laughs) And he shows some data that he's decrypted from a hard drive to show that Maxine and Beyond have been lying to him this entire time. Okay. Because, you know, corporations. <laughs> we uh-huh. don't get to see what he's shown. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just like projections. And he's like, sure. oh, okay. yeah. anyway. <laughs> Must be bad. Right? It ends with him asking Maxine, hey, like, why did you call me? And why why did you choose me? Mm. She's like, of course, because of your determination and strong will. It's like, right. So <laughs> all these Peter Parker things. Yeah. Well, so Otto 
calls him a fool. He's like, says, what? He said, I, call, I said, you're a damn fool, boy. Beyond didn't choose you for your strong will and because you're psychological, but because you're psychologically compromised, because you are weak, an easily controlled lapdog prone to emotional outbursts and distractions whose leash ends in Beyond's hands. Someone they could bend to do whatever they bid so long as they apply the right pressure. Don't believe me? I have the proof here. Data drive evolved Maxine and Beyond's terrible mm. little secrets. I barely scratched the surface. A disabled security protocols no one will know it's been opened its contents will be known to you and you alone i'm not here for the end there's no ruse sure i'm a monster who has hurt many and i know and i know my own these people and their machinations run deep and you would do well to be aware damn auto just fucking spit He's like, I don't believe you. He's like, I'm many things, but a liar is not one of them. Inside, you'll find a de- you find the details of your psych profile compiled by uh, beyond psychologists. You can see for yourself. Of course, you're under no obligation to read them. He reads them anyway. Anyway, so Otto's like, if you find that I've misled you, I'm sure you could use your master's ample resources to find me eventually. Goodbye, Spider-Man. Enjoy your win. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why he asks Maxine, he's like, hey, how come you chose me? It's like, mm. of your determination and strong will, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool. Thank you for your honesty. I should give <laughs> back. I owe Janine some tie. And she's like, of course, Ben. I'm nothing if not a straight shooter. He says, right. Mm. So mm-hmm. now Ben's loyalty to Beyond is being questioned. Sure. And they've really gone out of their way to give <laughs> him a little bit of everything. Because like sure. they got Maxine out of, out of, the, out of jail. He's mm-hmm. got a penthouse. He's living with Maxine. He has everything he wants. It's just kind of odd. Also, I didn't say this in the first volume, (laughs) but I thought it was weird that they upgraded his suit for radiation the Mm. day he goes and fights the UFOs. Mm. But uh, that is highly suspicious. Right. As the kids say. If they had done something similar right before his fight with Morbius, I would have, I would have said something. I think, but because <laughs> his other like two fights in the first volume were random, yeah, and like not prepared for, I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe mm-hmm. I was thinking too much into it, but I was wrong. So, anyway, Spider-Man Beyond goes for at least two more volumes, <laughs> but I think in the third volume we're going to get an actual like. Ben Riley villain. Okay. It looks like another, it looks like a female goblin. She's okay. on the cover of the third volume. That's the only reason why I know. Like, are Ben Riley villains just clones of Spider Man villains? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just like the sloppy seconds fighting it out. <laughs> Next book. Next book. Dark Hawk one shot. Yeah. So only people who read cosmic. Or read comics back in the 80s, know who Dark Hawk <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s. Chris Powell, he has this, we talked about it at the beginning, but he's got a gem that turns him into, into the Dark Hawk. Find out later that when he turns into Dark Hawk, it's a body swap okay. with this giant tree that has all these gems as the like fruit, basically. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but the point there is when he, is Darkhawk, his physical body isn't there. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's okay if he loses an arm or something because when his body swaps back, his physical body is fine. Interesting. He's got a whole bunch of abilities, but some of his primary stuff is he makes 
like talons, like Wolverine claws. Yeah. He can fly. It's just really dark. He's hawking. Yeah. <laughs> he can shoot a <laughs> unibeam basically from his chest mm-hmm. and he can turn his hands into a bun- into different kinds of guns. Yeah. Those are kind of his main things. Sure. And then you can like go extreme with any of those. Of course. As he, you know, got more and more in touch with the data song and yada, yada, yada. Sure. Anyway, so this book has a primary issue called Dark Hawk, Heart of the Hawk. It takes place over three time periods over Chris Powell's life when he first gets the gem and one of his first fights. And then later on, after Realm, War of the Kings, okay. he takes out a brood cell mm. and we talk about like the Outer Rim and how the destruction from the War of the Kings, which was basically Vulcan and Shi'ar versus Inhumans and Kree. Right. Giant interstellar war. How we talk about it sometime if people want to know about it. But uh, the brood are trying to get started up again. Uh, and so they're taking advantage of the planets on the outer rim that people don't pay attention to to try to like take over and re-nest. Mm-hmm. Then the third part is the quote-unquote now. And you have Chris trying to hold back this giant rift or breach point for the precipice of something called a shadow war. Don't know anything about it. Don't know what's going on. Sounds perfectly innocent and uh, (laughs) there could be nothing wrong there. Absolutely. So it's this giant breach point that looks like a dimensional rift Mm -hmm. and the ship that he's in is he's using it to try to contain it. And the fuel cells are running low by the end of this little story, he's at 0.5% of you know power left. And he records one last recording into the gem. And then he shoots it out, shoots it off into the cosmos as the ship runs out of power and gets pulled into the breach point. Sure, like you do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you kind of have like a Green Lantern origin story thing here. <laughs> sure. You know, the last amazing user of the gem or the power ring mm-hmm. sends it off to go look for a new owner. Like you do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so now we have issue one and we get introduced. So we're in Woodlawn Heights in the Bronx. I just Woodlawn Heights. Yep. I assume yep. you know where this is. Yeah, yeah. It's in the Bronx. <laughs> so we get introduced to Connor Young. He is star senior player uh, at Woodlawn High basketball team. He makes he makes the game-winning play. They're in the championships. Next week, they're going to go to the finals if they win, which they do. He's going to get a full scholarship to Empire State to go play there. Your typical yeah. star athlete team is a second family, yada, yada. And he starts having these like episodes where he like gets super dizzy sometimes he passes out don't know what's going on he looks like he lives alone with his father and they've got a good relationship like seems like a solid kid sure and we're gonna spend basically this volume kind of getting to know him getting to know connor Mm -hmm. uh he goes for a run and he passes out and hits hits his 
left eye on on the corner of a curb. Oh God. Yeah. As he's going for this run, like everyone knows who he is. Everyone's like, hey, Connor. Sure. He's like, hey, Mr. T, Mr. Stoughton, and <laughs> all this other kind of stuff. Anyway, he has a best friend, Derek, who's on the team as well. Derek comes to check on him. The coach comes to check on him. His dad is there. And turns out that Connor has multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a heavy, heavy diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised at that poll. Yeah. Uh, especially in the first episode, first episode, first yeah. issue. Uh-huh. So Connor, Derek, coach, and their dad are hanging out in the kitchen. They have pizza dinner. Connor's trying to heal. Connor's not in the championship game. People are trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Rumors starting to spread. Yada, yada, yada. Connor goes to a shipyard, a docks to clear his head. Meanwhile, Jem hits the ground explosion he runs in to try to save whatever construction guys are there yeah gets another episode trying to help sees the gem reaches out to it gem chooses him and he becomes dark hawk boom it's got a new design yeah basically modernized from the last 30 years (laughs) yeah but you got your superhero origin story yeah so you know he creates his little energy wings, he saves people, he sees a crime going, some future tech stops them, this, that, and the other thing. Turns out one of the kids who is stealing future tech is Derek, and he is being ring-led by this guy named Sean. And Sean, actually, is kind of the last... His name's Sean Trella. He was the last big thing to come out of Woodlawn Heights. Okay. He got full scholarship basketball. Didn't work out. Too slow, I guess. <laughs> anyway, he's ominous. Okay. Seems like he's a bad guy. We find out by this by the what is this the by the end of the first issue that he's the ringleader for these can these gangs with with tech. Mm-hmm. Anyway, life with Connor trying to except that he's got MS, he's going to the doctor, he has to give himself shots that are really painful, and also he hates needles. <laughs> sure. Derek, he and Derek have been talking for months about a new shoe that's been that's going to come out. Okay, sneakerhead. Yeah. And he doesn't want to do it because now we've got, you know, medical bills and stuff to pay for, yeah. so Connor's like, yeah, it's not for me. And Derek's like, I got you. And he's like, where'd you get the money? He's like, don't worry about it. Like, I, I, He made up a story about birthday money from grandma kind of a thing. Sure. So they go, huge waiting line. Derek is like, what? Connor Young is here? The Connor Young? Only, you know, fucking fifth in the nation? And they're like, oh my gosh. And so they move him up. Okay. Miles and Genki are in line. Hey, cool. Because they're they're sneakerheads. They've always been one. And yeah. also it's in the Bronx. And so like, yeah. awesome. Yep. <laughs> they end up getting shoes, but the only, the only size they're able to get were size 13, <laughs> which I'll take. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I kind of thought about that. I was like, if you're psyched about a shoe, they don't have your size. Yeah. You just Do buy you, you, yeah. the shoe at all? Or like... I have no idea. What? Like, yes, the, the, they're collectors. The point isn't necessarily to wear them. I guess. But, but like he wants to. But you want to. Right. Yeah. And he's like, that's fine. I'll just triple sock <laughs> to like 
be able uh-huh. to fit that fit the shoe. And I'm like, really? The only reason why I bring this up is because come across more bullies. Dark Hawk goes and dark, dark Hawks the shit. Yeah, just Dark Hawks the hell out of him. Uh-huh. And then Derek shows his true colors and tries to take out Dark Hawk because he's like, hey, I have to take your armor. And <laughs> Connor's like, but Derek, he's like, how do you know my name? And so he on Dark Hawks. Thanks, Cricket. Thanks for the background noise. <laughs> <laughs> he undark hawks. And so he reveals his identity to Derek. And Derek's, yeah. Derek's like, what the fuck? And then Derek's true colors of like jealousy kind of come out. Because he's always been in Connor's uh, shadow. Mm. And Derek or Connor doesn't have, doesn't get the right, isn't allowed to like look down on Derek for all the bullshit that he does. Okay. Anyway, Miles Spider-Man shows up. And he's like, hey, there's a big boom. Uh, is everyone okay? <laughs> he's like, oh, hey, look, size 13s. You, you like the new shoes too, huh? We're going to like triple sock yourself? He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> so, so then he pieces out. And then Derek goes and talks to Sean or whatever his name is. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm out. I, mm. I can't do this. And he's like, you don't have to convince me. You got to convince Mr. Colt. And Colt's like, oh, you want, you want out? He's like, yeah. And he's like, all right. So he shoots and kills him. Oh. Yeah. That's extreme. Adding to the origin story. <laughs> bad guys be bad. Yeah. So Connor's trying stuff out. Uh, he This is how he finds out that he he thinks it's weird that the Dark Hawk armor, when he's wearing it, he's shorter than he naturally is. Mm. And he's like, that's kind of odd. And he's that like, why odd. would Derek want this? I don't. I don't even think I can take this off. I, I can't. So he tries to remove mm. his helmet, pulls his head completely off. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, and then he switches back and he's back to normal. He's like, okay, so that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then he finds out about Derek. And so he goes and deals with Sean, <sighs> threatens Sean. Sean squeals about Colt, goes in and talks to Colt. Colt has these like five armored assassin types waiting for him starts to mess him up gets his arm cut off and then thrown into into uh, the water moss spider man shows up and pulls him out of the water they have a talk he d he d dark hawks and miles is like oh hey you're the um <laughs> you're size 13 you're the basketball guy and he's like yeah yeah i'm still kind of trying to figure myself out <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, so you're not the like, so Dark Hawk in in the past is kind of the other Spider-Man thing. So <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm trying. So anyway, he like inserts sure. himself into being like sort of the mentor character. Yeah, Connor, that's sweet. It's it's cool to see yeah. Miles in that role. Like, you know, it really is because <laughs> like he's been through a lot. It's yeah. it's it's time. Yeah. I mean, he, and he's kind of done this with. Vulture's granddaughter mm-hmm. and Bombshell, but like th- this one, this one's different because they're coming coming at it from like from a mutual respect point. for each other thing, yeah. as opposed to like, hey, you started out as a villain. Yeah, <laughs> I can show yeah. I can show you the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could be good kind of thing. So anyway, yeah, yeah. they go to a local co- a local coffee shop that he's a reg- that Miles is a regular at. In his Spider-Man costume. And he's like, hey, Sandy. He's like, hey, black and red. You know, can I get some of the rhubarb pie, two Danishes too, and uh, a coffee? Just start drinking it. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she's and so you know she's like, how about you, kid? And Connor's like, yeah, me too. Please, thank you. So they're talking it out. They cheers, and then he has a little mini episode, and he drops uh, his coffee, and he's like, I, I have I have MS, mm-hmm. and Miles like, oh, I guess uh, Miles has a friend at school who has that, hmm. and so he's like, yeah, man, I'm really sorry. And so they're kind of talking it out, and Miles keeps on getting distracted on his phone, keeps on texting somebody or something sure i'm talking about and Miles or connor's like i don't know what i'm supposed to be i don't i don't know this whole dark hawk thing i don't know yeah. what's going on yeah trying yeah. to figure it out and miles is like well start with the why whenever i have a like crisis of self i go back to the why what's mm. your why the reason you do this what is your reason and he keeps on he keeps on texting and then Connor says, I don't have a reason. I don't even know if the superpowers are for me or if I'm for them. I just don't like doing this. I'm not, I'm not a superhero. He's like, all right, well then what are you? Says, I'm someone who would do anything for his friends, his family, his teammates, somebody who is all three of those things to me is dead. And I want to stop the people who did it. So they can't hurt anyone else or get anyone else mixed up in what they're doing, Mm. what they're building. And Miles is like, I can get behind that. (laughs) Then you have this other speech bubble it says agreed from off screen you turn the page and it's fucking captain america dear god and he's like mind so if i lend a hand ta- texting yeah okay and miles is nice like to have sorry cap on your freaking speed dial <laughs> right and well miles is like sorry if there's one thing you figure out quick it's like you don't not text this text this guy back <laughs> yeah the america's helped me out before cool if he joins and Connor's just like, uh, duh, yeah, uh, cool, the sure. <laughs> so anyway, Cap get, goes into who Dr. Colt is. And he's like, uh, it's all about potential. That's what Colt says anyway. He's formerly an instructor for Hydra. Prides himself on his students maximizing their skills. Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, has had run-ins with him. We thought Colt died. He didn't. <laughs> to mm. be fair, Colt is good, really good, with a colorful special ops background he only came back up on our radar because he's working with aim now okay aim tries to develop their power through technological means now intel says they're looking to franchise so they're getting involved in something called project deathlock and yeah and so miles i love it so throughout this steve is giving him the like mission details yeah and then miles is doing the like translating. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's like, you know, Cap is like Project Deathlock. And then Miles is like, think of it as like cyborg enhancement. The place we're headed, it's where they're making all some of the weapons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then so Cap's like, so what do you think? Should we make it harder on them? And Darkhawk's like, absolutely. So they storm the base, have a little three man team up. Miles tells. Darkhawk to do to go high. He thwips on him and does this like swinging thing, and then they both land hard on <laughs> an aim guy. And then Miles loses his balance and trips, and he's like, "Oh man, unsmooth Spider-Man." Darkhawk is like, "That was awesome. Was that was that a barrel roll?" <laughs> and Miles is like, "Thanks. Yeah, I've been trying to get Falcon to do that forever." <laughs> anyway, the the quote unquote boss shows up, and he's like like a super discount doc Ock. like okay he just looks real boring okay sure 
Yeah. <laughs> and Miles is like, really? You're paying to upgrade and look like this? <laughs> and he's like, what? It's a prototype. It's not even the final colors. And Miles is like, sure. Yeah. It's the colors that are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Darkhawk is like, I got this. And he does a giant Unibeam thing. Fucks him up immediately. And Miles leans over to Cap and he's like, could the other Darkhawk do that? Mm. He's like, not quite. So Darkhawk has done a shot before, but like, yeah, it was like small. Okay. <laughs> this one was like straight out of Dragon Ball Z Kamehameha type. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big ass shot. Sure. So anyway, aftermath, Miles is like, Connor, look, I'm a text away. If you ever want to do anything, you want to talk, you want to catch up. If you need someone to talk to, I got you. Just don't call. I'm more of a texter. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And he's like, all right, thank you. That's awesome. And he said, uh, but in my personal opinion, if you're so worried about who you're supposed to be, it's real tough to appreciate who you are. Try not to be too hard on yourself. You're good. Real good. I think you're going to be okay. But also, what do I know? I stick to walls. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Sean is getting nanotech upgrades from Mr. Colt. Then you have the, your last issue, which does a handful of more lore building on Connor's side. He's at the funeral, and there's his sister, Sarah, Derek's sister, Sarah. She does not like Connor. Okay. It's like, he, he really looked up to you, you know, hard, to, hard not to, the way you towered over him. Derek spent his whole life in your shadow, and it looks like he's not even free of that, even in death. And, like, behind him, there's a bunch of paparazzi outside trying to take mm. pictures through the window. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, do you think the news would be outside if Derek wasn't the best friend of one of America's hottest basketball prospects? They're here for you more than they are for him. And as she's walking away in a huff, Coach, <laughs> Coach shows up. And says, hey, there you are. Uh, Coach Woodward and I have been looking for you. And so you got Coach Woodward from Empire State. And he's like, hey, I wanted to, you know, give you this. I was looking for you, yada, yada. And Sarah's like, exactly. Yeah. So there's that resentment. And then Sean shows up at the funeral. And he's like, uh, but we need to leave. And Sean's like, I know you're Doc Hawk. Let's fucking deal with this. Oh. So because... Connor went to go and confront Sean about Derek. And Sean was like, you don't want none of this. And he's like, fine. And he leaves. And then seconds later, Darkhawk busts in and tortures him and, well, scares him, takes him up into the air and drops him, Um, (laughs) catches him. And that's how he finds out where the cult is. Anyway, so they have it out. Sean and Darkhawk fight. Darkhawk basically wins, knocks him out, you know, grows a bunch of guns from his arm because that's what what raptors do. And misses some calls from his dad. After he knocks out Sean, he goes back to Connor and sees some calls from his dad. He talks to his dad. His dad's like, please, you know, like, I know this is tough. Like, you know, we can get through this. I got you. And then Mm -hmm. uh, while he's on the phone, Sean gets thwipped up. And Miles is like, you could have texted me, man. I would have been here. I could have helped. Like, you're a star on a basketball team, right? So, like, you can't win without your team. Just remember that. Yeah. I I will get your back. Just, you got to let me know. And he's like, yeah, okay. And and then Miles is like, you want to go get some pie? (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, 
it ends with, you know, people going about their days and like, you know, his dad is working this like moving company job because of the good insurance. Miles is at the coffee shop having more snacks. Sean is getting more upgrades from Colt. Sarah is being mad at, at Connor. And then Connor is in the locker room with the basketball team. And he's like, hey, guys, um, I have multiple sclerosis. And yeah. they're like, we know. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, he's like, well, we didn't know exactly what it was, but we knew something was up. We just figured you'd tell us when when you're ready. He's like, mm-hmm. dude, we got you. Like, the team isn't the same without you, and you're not the same without the team. So, like, wow. you know, we're your family. We got you. Nice. It ends with Connor doing the new superhero thing, look up into the sky and be like, <laughs> I think I'm going to be okay. City. I will <laughs> yeah. protect it. I guess the only thing I know for certain is my whole world's about to be different. And then you, it ends with while Connor is being Connor, the dark Hawk suit, the Raptor suit, I should call it is being worked on. You have this figure in front that says, don't worry, Connor, everything changes. And it looks like Chris Powell, dark Hawk Hmm. in his dark Hawk costume interesting so i don't know what's going on there but anyway so interesting enough i liked it yeah do you think there's going to be another volume i don't know if there's going to be another solo title or if he's going to join a team oh interesting because like this this is very much all right we've set up connor we know what to expect from him Mm -hmm. uh we can go wherever we want at this point Put him on the champions or start a new, 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 right. new warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, the only thing he doesn't know is how to interact with the data song. He gets visions from the data song because the data song, again, isn't compatible with humans. And so you can only kind of interpret sort of what it is instead of other beings can like immediately tap into everything. Okay. That's really the only difference. But also, the Raptors historically like single-handedly stopped a Shi'ar like right. uprising kind of like the Shi'ar are scared of the Raptors. They're, the they're like, are, you know, a big galaxy spanning, like multi galaxies, like the largest empire in Marvel continuity, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, Intergalactically, the Raptors are a force of a source of fear. Yeah. Darkhawk Chris Powell and now Darkhawk Connor Young are the only ones who've ever done good with the Raptor suit. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But anyway, something that I liked about this is so this is written by Kyle Higgins. And okay. Every article, or every article, every issue, he has an interview with someone who has multiple sclerosis. Oh, cool. And he prints the interview with them. Yeah. And so, like, he, in the first issue, he interviews this woman, uh, Brooke Pelzinski. She is an artist, Hmm. illustrator, and comic-creating multiple sclerosis fighter based in Brooklyn. <laughs> nice. She's her art to express the challenge of MS and has spoken openly about the struggles that come with it. So he kind of just hits the hits her with like four or five questions. Yeah. And then he has another, then the next issue is 
Dr. Tim Coetzee, Devin Garlett, Lauren Krupp. And uh, he asks them different questions. And it, it's, it kind of goes organically without wherever the conversation goes. But I thought that was really cool. That, that is really cool. It, it, through his comic, he's, good, he's trying to raise actual awareness on right. MS. Yeah. In, in our life, but then also through comics. Totally. So that was cool. That is cool. Sweet. Yeah. Extreme Carnage. Extreme Carnage. So I'm going to recap the characters that are used, and then we can... The, the story itself is not that long. <laughs> yeah. So starting with Carnage, he's the offspring of Venom. Yes. And so he calls Venom Daddy. Or used to <laughs> doesn't really do it anymore, daddy. And then you have you have the. I would not consider what, Venom a daddy. Yeah, although <laughs> he's birthed two now. I meant in the the, the other sense, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something about the the. I mean, I guess if if you know you have a particular use for that tongue, then then you might think otherwise. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. The teeth and the brain eating. Yeah, it just doesn't really do it for me. Heard that. You have what I referred to as the five life foundation symbiotes mm. who are created from DNA samples of venom. Oh, they were the artificial symbiotes or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. you have Agony, Lasher, Phage, Riot, and Scream. Okay. Phage is the most basic. Okay. Uh, I guess Riot might be. Phage, Phage's thing is he is yellow and he's known for making knives with his hands, basically like Carnage. Okay. Riot is the other basic one. <laughs> he is gray and he's just big. He likes to be muscly. Okay. So think some iterations of Venom, but without the spider. I'm just trying to remember back to the like 16 bit. Yeah. Maximum Carnage video game. Maximum Carnage video game. Yeah. yeah. Good times. (laughs) Lasher, I would argue, is the most unique. He's the green one, and he has a bunch of tendrils. Okay. I should also say, so Phage, they wanted to make him more unique than just the yellow (laughs) knife hands. Yellow Carnage, yeah. He tends to be, he likes to take the form of a dog (laughs) a lot. So when he's hiding or whatever, he tends to take the form of a dog as opposed to a person. All right, buddy. That's his go-to. Agony okay. is the purple female symbiote. Uh-huh. She spits acid. That's kind okay. of her thing. Scream is yellow and orange and a female symbiote. And there actually isn't a whole lot special about her, but she has the most story. Yeah. She is now attached to Andy Benton, who was Mania and is now Scream as of King and Black. Sure. Andy Benton also has Hellfire. Mm. Doing that double dip there. Yeah. So she can tap into her Hellfire, but she has control over it. So she doesn't burn the Scream symbiote, but she can burn others. We also have Toxin. Who is Carnage's offspring? (laughs) 
Toxin first attached to a cop named Mulligan, who's in the named character is in the second Venom movie, but okay. he doesn't get, I don't think he gets a symbiote. But Fair. anyway, Toxin from day one has been a good guy. Okay. Because it imprinted from Mulligan, who was a good cop. Okay. He is now connected to this kid named Bren. And Bren was his, is what Toxin considers his first friend. And so they have a partnership and they are doing, fighting the good fight. Sure. Oh, we get, we get Flash Thompson back. Oh. He was reborn in King and Black. Which, if I said it in January when we reviewed King and Black, <laughs> it would have been one sentence and we moved on. Because <laughs> it was odd that they brought him back kind of quickly. Because he sure. died fighting Red Goblin a couple yeah. years ago in Nick Spencer's run. But he got brought back as an anti-symbiote, an anti-venom symbiote dragon <laughs> in okay. King and Black. So, anti-venom... <laughs> these days is an artificial symbiote that Alchemax has created at least the like base of it. And then you have to apply it to an existing symbiote in order for it to like take form. Okay. So flash Thompson was agent venom and then he became, and then after he lost the venom symbiote, he became agent anti venom in, in red goblin. Yeah. So, he got brought back during King and Black. He took over a, a symbiote dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was able to like reconstitute his body, I guess, after that. It is what it is, whatever. Fair. So yeah, so what he do? He flew to where his body was and used the symbiote dragon to reanimate his body. So now he's alive. Because okay. comics. Because so, comics. Yes. Those are all the players for the most part. So extreme carnage takes place basically right after King and black. And you have this Senator guy. Well, guy who's running for Senate or wants to be the president. I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm trying to find his name. We'll come back to it. So he is rallying a campaign. His last name is crane. K R A N Senator crane. Yeah, he's rallying a campaign partnered with Friends of Humanity. The Crane campaign. Okay. He's partnered with Friends of Humanity to create, to introduce a bill that is like the anti-alien bill. Okay. Because when King and Black happened, it affected the entire world. And, you know, men, women, children, civilians on top of superheroes all were affected and many lost their lives yeah and so he's capitalizing on that new fear of aliens to introduce this bill of anti-alien sentiment okay in a couple weeks the president is going to be introducing a statue memorial in honor of everyone who lost their lives during the king and black event do they know that it do they call it King and Black? Do, how much do they know no. about? Okay, I good. It was just like the alien invasion. Yeah. Because usually, like even with Secret Invasion, right. it was focused primarily on just like New York. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. 
New Yorkers are like, whatever. We do this every week. Right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Most events are focused around New York, one, but also the superhero community. Right. Whereas King and Black was the entire world. Interesting. Okay. So he's kind of capitalizing on that. So in response to this unveiling ceremony, Crane wants to hold a For Humanity event in Mm. protest of that ceremony. And so he's coordinating this protest to happen at the exact same time. Okay. So that's the premise. Sure. Carnage survived Venom Island. He survived by latching onto a fish, which then... Oh, I remember the carnage fish. Yeah, the so dumb. (laughs) Which then he attached himself into a shark. And then from that shark, he went to a Somalian Somalian gun runner and attached himself to that. And then the... And then the arms dealer who was meeting with a guy from the U.S. government (laughs) and then attached to that guy and came back to stateside. It's quite the journey. Yes. Hidden in this guy. And so he is starting to recruit and create his own hive. So King and Black, primarily, we get introduced to like all the symbiotes are part of a hive and like a hive mind and they can can you know contact each other and stuff carnage wants to create his own hive Mm. and so he's back in the states he's recruiting all of the symbiotes in the states to join his hive so that's where you get the five life foundation symbiotes that's where you get toxin and one of the first he reaches out to is uh flash thompson anti-venom sure Uh, doesn't seem like flash's kind of thing but yeah. No. So he does fight him. Yeah. And he's like, nope, hard pass. He's like, all right. So I'll just go and recruit others. So each issue is called Extreme Carnage Alpha and then Extreme Carnage Scream, Phage, Riot, Lasher, Agony, Toxin, Omega. So he's just kind of sure. like going down his roster. To yeah. Yeah. One. At the same time, Flash gets contacted by Iron Man and is like, hey, I think we have a symbiote problem. (laughs) (laughs) And Iron Man still has his extreme biote armor from when he used the extremist to overwrite the symbiote. Mm -hmm. And then he attached his extreme biote armor to a symbiote dragon. Okay. And so this is that. So he still has it. Under his, from his perspective, it's still under control. And Flash is like, you got to get rid of it. He's like, we can deal with that later. We got to deal with Carnage. So Cletus Cassidy, as of right now, is dead. Okay. <laughs> but the Carnage symbiote is still oot in a boot. <laughs> Didn't know it was Canadian. Yeah, of course. Anyway, people are hiding. and And by people, I mean like, carnage and other symbiotes and they're trying to invite people to the hive the first recruit after anti-venom is scream andy is trying to get scream to fight carnage scream 
won't. And so Andy's like, you made me do this. So she uses the hellfire to burn screen. There's barely mm-hmm. any scream left. Anti-vet. So Andy became mania from Flash sharing some of the Venom symbiote with Andy. And so sure. Flash finds her, takes her to Alchemax, and is and there's this doctor in a wheelchair that is basically a friend of the symbiotes. He's a good guy, but Alchemax is not. Okay. But takes him and is like, hey, like, do what you can, please. Andy, or the doc guy, takes what he can of the Scream symbiote and blends it with the anti-venom, some of the anti-venom symbiote mix that he has to create a new symbiote to blend with, to bond with Andy. So now you have something not called anti-scream, thank the God. (laughs) Muffle. Closed mouth. (laughs) So instead of anti-scream, you have I think there's already a murmur. Okay. I think there is a murmur. But her name is Silence. So she is white with highlights of like pink slash red. Yeah. And she is still one of the good guys. Okay. Lasher, Phage, Riot, they all have their own little stories on how they, you know, tore apart some random bystander <sighs> to use their body as a host to get to help get them to Washington, D.C., where they're all going to meet for this rally. <laughs> sure. Meanwhile, Flash recruits this guy, Hank, who's a war vet. And he goes and applies for security for Crane to be Flash's man on the inside to figure out what Crane's doing. As symbiotes are gathering, we start to come up with this theory that Carnage is Crane. Mm. And he is stoking the flames to gather a bunch of people so he can kill them all. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Crane <laughs> is super anti-alien. So like there's a little bit of question there. Sure. Toxin is getting trying to get recruited by Carnage, and Toxin straight up denies him because he's not going to take away what he has with Bren. So your lineup is starting to look like anti-venom, silence, and toxin versus Carnage, Phage, Riot, Agony, and Lasher. So okay. Three on five. Sure. Toxin creates his own like third void hive mind place where he silence and anti-venom can like commune and like meet. Okay. So through this book, we've got like three hive mind situations. Basically <laughs> you've got the main Eddie Brock controlled King and black hive mind. Mm-hmm. You have the hive mind that Carnage is trying to create. He's got four members right now. And then you have Toxin's hive mind with silence and anti-venom. So anyway, tensions are rising. Uh, You get more backstory on like Agony and what she is doing uh, from King of Black to now. And then fucking Crane has two assistants and a dog hint hint (laughs) okay yeah yeah i see where this is going (laughs) he also has his son with him okay so social media numbers soar whenever he sees 
whenever they see like his son supporting his father. Yeah. And then Hank checks in with Flash, the the rally, the protest. We're now at the protest, by the way. <laughs> Time has passed. <laughs> We're at the rally. Toxin Scream and Anti-Venom are on the outskirts. They're waiting for the word. Talking to Hank. Hank is like, guys, I don't think they're after the president. So the the fear is that Crane is organizing the symbiotes and all of this to take out, to kill the president. Mm-hmm. Because classic assassination attempt, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, wait, we had it all wrong. Crane isn't Carnage's host. Crane is the target. And then as that conversation is happening, the assistants and the dog start to turn into their symbiotes and stab Hank. And turns out Arthur Crane, who's the son, is Carnage. Oh. So you have Arthur Crane, Phage, Riot, and Agony in the background. Where Lasher is, we don't know yet. Sure. And then you have the last issue. Riot picks up the phone and he is like, hey guys, Hank's uh, guts are on the floor. Ha ha. And he's uh, taunting Flash. And then out of nowhere, his hands and head get severed. And you look back and it's Sleeper. Sleeper is Venom's other son, child. Okay. Sleeper, we last saw Sleeper with attached to or following Dylan. Okay. Okay. And his unique power, other than the fact that he doesn't have a mouth and he has four eyes, is he can make any like chemical substance. Hmm. Okay. Like any that he wants. Okay. But anyway, he was secretly bonded to Hank and kept Hank from knowing. And so Hank got stabbed and passed out or died. Sleeper took over. And now we have four symbiotes in play Mm -hmm. and for carnage symbiotes in play because riot is down crane is doing his speech and as he calls out his son arthur to come and say hi he gets stabbed in front of everyone and then carnage being carnage rips him apart this is why i don't really care about the dad's name because (laughs) yeah he dies sure (laughs) of course and then in doing that with everyone on camera Lasher, Agony, and Phage start terrorizing all of the people at the protest. Life Foundation sentries are there trying to stop everything. They are failing. Sleeper is the first on the scene. And then Anti-Venom and Toxin and Silence, they all get paired off. They're doing what they can to stop everything. We find out that Arthur is truly a nasty nasty kid and has been since (laughs) way before carnage sure tends to work out yeah as a youngster he started out with animals then a few homeless bums even Mm. a few classmates and girlfriends over the years and old dad was always there to clean up the mess Uh, when i came along arthur was already working out a plan to kill his old man and made a play for his senate seat i was impressed who needs a senator i'm like i like where i'm at arthur and i are going to get along just fine as as it seems like Carnage might have the upper hand, Extreme Beot, Iron Man shows up, and Carnage is like, ooh, new toy. So Carnage leaves Arthur and goes 
and attacks the extreme beot armor. Yeah. And then bonds with it. Oh. While bonding with it, snaps Tony's arm and then removes the symbiote from Carnage or from Tony. And so Carnage blends with the extreme beot armor, turns into a symbiote dragon that looks a little deformed, it's a little bit smaller because yeah, it's got to look different, I guess. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. And it's, but yeah, and it's black and red. And then he picks up Agony and flies away. Lasher and Phage get caught by the by Alchemax. And Arthur Sans Carnage is trying to say, it wasn't me. The alien was lying. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Bren, Andy, and Flash kind of have like a last little check-in. And he's like... And Brandon's like, well, at least we had a win, right? And he's like, you're an idiot. (laughs) There was no win here. Like, Carnage killed all those people on live television. The Friends of Humanity, the fire under them is lit even more now. We stopped Carnage from killing some people, but not all. Yeah, Plenty of people died. Our job is going to be even harder now. And it ends with Arthur talking to Gemma, who is the host of Agony. And he's like, please, Gemma, bring him back. I can't hear him anymore. He'll come back to me, won't he? And Gemma says, I don't know, Arthur. I don't know what Carnage will do. But he believes you can still be useful. Is that true, Arthur? Are you still useful to us? It's like, I can be useful. I can do whatever, anything he wants. And so it's just ends with Agony taunting Arthur. And then that's it. Okay. So it sets up for... Whatever Carnage wants to do next. (laughs) Sure, of course. Insert adjective here. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to take what what what's your best bet for for the next one? Oh, the next adjective? Yeah. Let's see. We've got absolute maximum. We've done minimum. We've done superior. We've done extreme. I guess complete. Oh, yeah. Flaming hot. (laughs) Uh (laughs) nacho cheese here. Yeah. Cooler Ranch. Yeah. Cool Carnage. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Complete. Okay. My serious answer is I'll go Perfect. Perfect Carnage. Ooh, that's a good one. Or just like a lot of fucking Carnage. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Carnage. Yeah. (laughs) Down for that. Dude. Mm, perfect carnage is a good one <laughs> there, okay five years from now we'll have both oh of course <laughs> two years from now Com- we'll have both. <laughs> complete and perfect carnage well done <laughs> well, yeah so i like have so carnage is a big deal and you can't he's such a wild card like he's kind of the joker to venom's batman mm. in the sense that he's a total wild card and his plans don't make sense. <laughs> right. You know? So like, I don't want a, a Marvel universe that doesn't have carnage. Sure. So yeah, I am excited that we got this to see what, what happened to carnage post King and black because mm-hmm. Eddie Brock becoming the King of the symbiotes is a big deal. Yeah. And like, I don't like, okay, there is a Venom book on my shelf. Right. So we'll find out what he's going to be doing after this. But like now he's 
cosmic. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he, all symbiotes are under his rule, not just the like ten <laughs> that are on Earth. Yeah, which is way too many. <laughs> <laughs> but like, are they going to lose, quote unquote, lose sight of the earthly <laughs> antagonists of Venom? Right. Yeah. So I'm 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 excited to see. Cool. Uh, I'm excited that this happened, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Absolutely. I also really like Sleeper. Like, nice. I think it's his design. Uh-huh. That because he's so he's black with like neon green highlights. Mm, yeah. And it just looks cool. It's just like it's like he's got hands of neon green, and then like there's like one neon green line around his face that's outlining his face. Yeah. Um, and I think he's like boots of neon green but he just looks cool nice. he's really powerful i feel like maybe too powerful but <laughs> i'm so excited for more sleeper sweet That's yeah. awesome. symbiotes symbiotes they're a thing <laughs> but yeah so tell me about was it cable 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 basically the way cable's been going is so he's he moved into Hell's Kitchen. He's dating this woman, Stacy. She has a kid brother with Down syndrome who she takes care of. Cable's brought in this journalist, Irene Merriweather, to be his sort of like scribe recorder, you know, for his whole mission journey. He's starting to get serious about, okay, let's take down Apocalypse. He's kind of stopped working with X-Force completely. And so, yeah, he's living out of this safe house in Hell's Kitchen with Blake Smith and Irene is pretty much always there. Yeah, he's kind of dealing with some telepathy loss, etc. But that's kind of the main thing. So, yeah, this arc opens with him out to dinner with Stacy. And he's like, hey, Stacy, now that we're like for real dating and not just flirting a bunch, I'm from the future. Is that weird for you? And she's like, come on, I'm from New York. You ever seen Galactus up close? <laughs> That's that cool. Is clo- yeah, <laughs> that is actually, I, I do a lot of very tongue-in-cheek paraphrasing, but that is pretty close to a direct, direct quote. Then there's this dog fight going on between like fighter jets and some random mysterious cloaked figure around the Statue of Liberty. It turns out it's the Harbinger of Apocalypse. Harbinger has been in Cable previously. They fought like 10, 15 issues ago. Harbinger is from the 1840s. Uh, Apocalypse put him in a coffin way back when and to just like, you know, come break things one day and the Hellfire Club <laughs> opened it good for them uh and you know all of the like standard like upgrade your power sets give you all the power the apocalypse treatment yeah 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 yeah. like you do mm-hmm. so harbinger and cable had an initial confrontation in his first appearance cable was like why don't you just like have a burger think things over like you know before you destroy the world go experience it see what see what you're breaking You've been gone for a long time. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to not blow up the world, but I may as well take some time. (laughs) So that delayed it for, you know, 10, 15 issues, something like that. Yeah. So he's back. He's attacking the city. Cable takes Stacy and Kenny, the brother, into 
down to shelter at the Canal Street subway station, which is, I think we might have gotten on it. It, I don't think that's the station in Little... It's it's Lower Manhattan. It's the first station on the Q train, my line. Uh, the first station in Manhattan, the first one after uh, after the bridge, just to, give you, okay. just to give you a sense of place here. It does seem that miraculously all of Lower Manhattan has been evacuated underground in the span of about 20 minutes. And then we get <laughs> to focus on the fight scene. Excellent. Yeah. For the second time in a year of comics continuity, that uh, just in the X Men comics in my packs that I've read, someone uses a Brooklyn Bridge suspension cable as a motorcycle ramp to launch launch themselves at an airborne threat. <laughs> the the other time. one being when Wolverine did it. Yep, in Kitty Pride, Agent of on, Shield on Helicarrier. Carrier. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes pretty poorly this time. I mean. He gets up there somehow, like, you know, 100 feet up in the air by jumping his his motorcycle. But then he just kind of gets, like, he attacks him. He gets swatted away. And they're just, like, fighting in the air. And then the very first attack from Harbinger vaporizes the top 20 floors of the Twin Towers, of one of the Twin Towers. Like, this dude is powerful. And Cable just sort of hangs out on top of what's left. No collapsing event. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, energy I, I guess I could make an energy blast don't melt steel beams joke or whatever. Uh <laughs> well I mean okay if it if it took out the top 20 right and the there's rest nothing is just to fall onto it there yeah to it's knock just, the rest it's, down. and it's just like gone. But there's <laughs> okay. somehow like a perfectly flat surface on top for a cable to stand on. Excellent. Yeah. He like hit it right at the, you know, the like floor divide or the, something. The, yeah. So he, yeah. he's got some Karnak yeah. level <laughs> insight. <laughs> you know, they keep duking out and the Avengers join in on the team up. Iron Man, Cap, Wonder Man, and Vision are the only ones who are available. And eventually Thor shows up in the middle of the fight. Nate thinks, oh, this Harbinger guy used to be a man before Apocalypse changed him. Why don't I try kicking him in the nuts? And so he does. And it just goes like you just get this womp on a monopia sound effect and no reaction. He's like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's something you don't see in comics anymore. Right? The good old nut shot. <laughs> It's a tried and true biological classic go-to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you'd think, you know, you'd wear a cup going into battle against, you know, but I maybe, wouldn't think that. No. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. If I you, you would pr- you would I'm protect putting... a whole lot of other parts of yourself from telekinesis and like shields being thrown and Mjolnir, a lot of other places where I mean, the, all those weaponry could do damage. I, I get it. If I'm do if I'm doing like an armored suit, then yeah, there will be something. But like if I'm like if, if I'm wearing a hit, spandex, if yeah, if you're not like if I'm like you, you wearing cyclops hit, gear, if you get hit anywhere <laughs> with any of this, you're just toast. You're just like right immediately dead. And so yeah, you, you may as well be 
unencumbered down there. <laughs> yeah. If I'm wearing <laughs> anything that 90% of the X-Men wear, I'm not wearing a cup. But yeah. if I'm like, if I'm doing like a, you build you know, it into your Iron Man, suit, Iron Man. Sure. You're not yeah, just going to exactly. be like fucking freeballing with your the rest of <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it depends on what else I'm wearing. That's yeah. going to dictate how much coverage <laughs> I'm rocking here. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> all right. Before this descends all the way, <laughs> Thor spins Mjolnir so fast he opens a rift to another dimension and sucks the guy, you know, the harbinger into it. And Cable's okay. like, "Well, that'll work for a minute, but he'll just evolve a way to get back here because you know the apocalypse evolution thing. This guy has like he adapts to powers immediately. He's got the Nimrod sort of treatment on steroids. Okay, so it's like." You know, and the Darwin treatment, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, destruction has already been just enormous. Like the first shot was the first, the top 20 stories of the World Trade Center. Like Manhattan is fucked up. World Trade, uh, the, the Statue of Liberty has been, you know, like totally defaced and fucked up. Like the, uh, the destruction is huge. And so uh, Cap's it's like, huge, huge, yeah. Maybe they took out Trump Tower. That would be nice. And so they're like, let's go back to the Avengers Mansion to come up with a plan. We can't have a repeat of that. Cap's like, hey, hasn't Shield been trying to take you down? Like, you're 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 still officially a terrorist. But they come to like <laughs> a soldier to soldier kind of respect. They, they have no idea who Cable is, by the way. They're like, "Are you one of the X Men?" He's like, "Yeah, sort of, not officially, but close I mean, enough." Yeah, I'm an extreme X Man. <laughs> he's soon to be an astonishing X Man, and he's like, "You know, this Harbinger guy. He was made by Apocalypse." And Cat's like, "How do you know about Apocalypse?" And Cable's like. <laughs> Bitch, please. <laughs> How? How? How indeed? How much time do you have? Yeah. Can we go back to when I was a baby? <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently the Avengers are freaked out about Apocalypse because Apocalypse, for some reason, just powered up Moses Magnum and had him fight the Avengers. All I don't right. know if you know who Moses Magnum is. He is so lame. The name is nostalgic. That's pretty much yeah. all I got. He's an incredibly Z-list, you know, like 21 total appearances ever. But yeah, so apparently he recently fought the Avengers. So they're like, oh my God, Apocalypse. <laughs> like, we just found out about this guy. He seems really dangerous. Meanwhile, <laughs> Blake Smith and Ozymandias are off in Morocco together at one of Apocalypse's lairs where Ozymandias has like transcribed all of the prophecies that he's doomed to trans was doomed to transcribe until Apocalypse set him free in like 1995 in a publishing year or something like that. Okay. And they're just two weird dudes hanging out, two weird looking dudes hanging out. Apparently there's a prophecy. that's like, if New York city, like, Oh, God, it's so convoluted. You know, Apocalypse will bring his harbinger to destroy New York City, but it's a test for blah, blah, blah. And if the destruction, if something like, if it's successfully destroyed, then 
apocalypse's reign will never come to pass or something okay. like that. And so Ozymandias is like, look, all you have to do is just let New York City be destroyed and we can save the future. And Blake Smith at least is smart enough to be like, fuck this shit. That doesn't make sense. This is really dumb. <laughs> that doesn't check out. That does not check out. I'm going to New York City. I need to be part of this. And Ozymandias is like, wait, 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 hold up. Have you heard of the 12th? <laughs> what if I told you? Yeah. Like, oh, you- no. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> we're gearing towards that now. Yeah. And Ozymandias' prophecies don't say who the 12 are or what their responsibilities are, but he's pretty sure that Cable is the gatherer of the 12. Blake Smith is like, you know, I'm pretty sure that Cable knows who the 12 are, but for some reason, we've never talked about it. Which, okay, sure. <laughs> and Blake Smith him being like, a future man and everything right exactly and like being <laughs> you know like their sole confidants uh, for this incredibly important mission of saving the entire future which the 12 seems pretty fucking integral and they're just not going to talk about it come on they come have on. more pressing matters bug-eyed matters to deal, deal with. with yeah <laughs> And Blake's like, all right, you've wasted enough of my time. Take me to New York City for real now. And so they go back to Cable's safe house together. He brings Ozymandias to the safe house, which is crazy to me. And then Blake Smith does a tele- telepathic projection to Cable to bring him, you know, whatever info that this is. He knows things, whatever. Meanwhile, Apocalypse, there's a scene of him just like hanging out at Chern- Chernobyl, just standing huh. there by himself. With like a big old smile on his face, and he like picks up a handful of of dirt with earthworms in it, and the captions are like, "The earthworms have been, you know, like it's lethal to everyone else, but the earthworms have evolved to be able to live here and process the radiation and blah blah blah." And he's just got this, and, th- and then that's it. There's just like one slash page of that, and then in the next issue, he's in New York City. Presumably, he didn't have to walk. And he shows up right next to the Harbinger, right as the Harbinger returns from his extra-dimensional jaunt. Gives him a little pep talk, and then like puts his hand on his chest and turns him into a suicide bomb. And he's like, oh. go blow up, destroy the city. So a little more f- rejoins the battle. Harbinger blasts Cable and Iron Man all the way to Hoboken, New Jersey, which is just on the other side of the river, but still. And then Cable gets... <laughs> Cable gets Blake Smith's uh, telepathic message that the Harbinger is a bomb now. He's like, shit. And so Iron Man gives Cable his boots to fly to the Harbinger and move him outside like the blast range so he doesn't blow up the city. And so Cable does. And uh, unfortunately, we never get to see Iron Man after he takes off his boots. I'm just like wondering what he wears you know, like, does he have Crocs on? Does he have socks? Does he have slippies? Does Anything? he have socks? Yeah, like, what's going on here? Mm. Is it just like a spandex sort of thing? Is it like a metal? I feel mesh? like it's got to be a well, mm. right? I bet at this at point least, in time, at least MCU Tony would be rocking some really comfortable looking slippers. He's got shoes on, like his. <laughs> Because he does, you never see him take his shoes off when he's putting the suit on in the MCU. That's true. Yeah, that would be really lame. Just be like, uh, hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I brought my knapsack. Yeah, with my with my slippies on. Let me let me. I'll be right back. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't until they introduced the extremist arc 
in like 2001 uh-huh. where he has like an actual like unitard thing right. that the suit attaches to. I feel like before all that, it's just over his clothes. Yeah, it's just dirty in his yeah. boots. Yeah, gross. Ew. <laughs> I feel like that's really uncomfortable. Have you ever worn two shoes? Ugh, yeah. That's like, it's not fun. No. Mm. <laughs> so anyway. Welcome to the Hype is My Superpower, where we tangents <laughs> about shoes and, and boots. That's <laughs> how I want it. And so Cable's like, hey, if anything happens to me, contact Sam Sam Guthrie and Stacy, my girlfriend. And he does the thing, apparent sacrifice, and then there's a panel of Cap holding Cable's scimitar. Remember, he's got the scimitar scimitar thing. And he's been fighting with that the whole time. It's like his his it's totally his thing now. Okay. And Cap is standing on rubble holding his shield in one hand and the scimitar in the other. And you're like, we will honor this, blah, blah, blah. So obviously he's not dead because he's the title character of the book. Pops <laughs> up in they they describe it as uh the place in between all things, a nameless dimension. He's rescued by a bunch of weirdos in like kind of gimp suit looking suits. They call okay. themselves Maximum Secret. This is their only comics appearance ever. But it's a cool concept. That's how secret they are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a, uh, they're like caretakers of the time stream, et cetera. It's just really cool, like Mobius esque sci fi art. I know I've talked about Ledron, the artist on this series before, but just tons of like sweeping wide shots of cool, like bases and spaceships and little people, weird costumes running around, like all the mm. things you want. And so they took a Sanctity prisoner. If you remember who Sanctity is, she's uh, of the Trask family. I, like a, a descendant of Bolivar Trask, the Sentinel inventor. Mm-hmm. Her name's Tanya. She is also a mutant. She has time travel powers alongside your standard telepathy telekinesis kit. Traveled to the future, joined the Ascani, went crazy, started a splinter group, did some fucked up shit in the name of prophecy, etc. Okay. So they're planning to execute her. And Cable's like, that, no, don't do that. And they're like, well, okay, well, why don't, why don't you, you know, just like think fight me for it or whatever. Let's just like think about it real hard. And if you win, we won't do it. Mm. I guess it's all a ploy to get Cable to realize that his future, like he's on this mission to like, you know, prevent the the future that he comes from, from ever happening, destroy apocalypse in the present before he can yada, 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 yada. And it's a ploy to get him to realize that that kind of is impossible. His future will never stop existing. Because, you know, one, because, <laughs> right, one, alternate timelines, but two, like, at the very least, it's it's a, uh, a part of his life experience that will always exist within him. Mm-hmm. And so they say he must be aware of his own aims. And then, it, like, two pages later, he sums up the entire lesson that he's supposed to learn in his own words. And he's like, yes, I believe this. And he gets sanctity released. Also, a couple issues ago, Rachel Summers, as Mother Iskani, she implanted some thing in his head that he didn't really know what it was, couldn't parse at the moment. That finally comes loose, and hey, look, it's the identities of the Twelve. So, (laughs) time to get going with that. Yep. And then there's a B-plot going on here that kind of moves into the A-plot. Irene goes to Stacy's diner. They meet. 
Stacy, you know, they have an argument. Stacy says she's in love with Cable. Irene takes her back to the safe house. Fucking everyone goes to the safe house now. And Stacy's like, what's that smell? Irene's like, you don't want to go there. And Stacy's like, you have more secrets after all the things that blah, blah, blah. You keeping more secrets from me. And then it's literally Blake Smith in there. <laughs> he is the smell and he pops out and she's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> And then uh, they're in the middle of a big argument, the three of them, and Cable returns. Apparently, he was gone for an entire week. Everyone thought he was dead. He goes to Stacy's house to break up with her. He's like, no, things are serious now, even though I realize that the only thing, you know, to fight for is the the future. The, like, the the only future there is is love or something like that. And and the, the connections that we make and, and how we work day by day. And Friends are made along the way. Yeah, exactly. He had this big realization, but he, it, and, but he's also, you know, I have to get more serious about my mission. The 12 thing is definitely happening. I have to go break up with Stacy. And uh, along the way, they're like, where's Kenny? And it turns out he's hanging out in the basement with this crazy guy who also claims to be from the future. It seems unlikely that he actually is. He's been he's been building a time machine out of scraps that he finds to he says, like, I'm, I have to find my wife and go back to the future. And Kip's like, that thing's a death trap. Like, that's just going to explode. But I can't deal with it now. I have to break up with my girlfriend. And so he does. And then he's like, oh, I have one more. Th-. And then she like tells him leave. He goes out the door. He's like, oh, I have one more thing to say. And he turns around, opens the door. And there's this guy who has Stacy at knife point. Oh. Just holding a knife to her throat. And it's this guy, Caesar, who was one of the Ascani offshoot folks who were different Ascani offshoot, maybe. This is Chevere's little cult in Greece who were worshiping Cable as the Messiah until and then he went there, got they were holding on to the scimitar for him. So he got the scimitar and then was like, Don't don't worship me. Stop it. And this guy really didn't like that. Yeah. So Kenny goes back down to the basement in the middle of their fight. Caesar follows, then Nate. There's a big fight scene. And then Caesar tries to use the crazy guy's time machine to whatever. It explodes. Nate, say, you know, throws up a shield to save Kenny, and the crazy guy ends up making out with Irene in the rain and the rubble of the explosion. Blah blah blah. It's all quite meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's the end of the arc. Okay. Yeah, that's all what right. I got for the week. By the way, I, I forgot to say this at the top of the show, but uh, happy Juneteenth! Hey, we both have Juneteenth. Well, I guess it's. It's the twentieth today. Happy, happy, happy Juneteenth. <laughs> happy work recognizing Juneteenth the day after Juneteenth Day. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was nice sleeping in. Caught up, absolutely. Oh, sleep, yeah. Fuck, man. Fuck, man. I, don't, I don't really have much to uh, follow up on that. It was <sighs> as a half black man Mm -hmm. i do appreciate this recognition of juneteenth yeah one of our mutual friends melinda hale Mm -hmm. had the status that it was like y'all better not let juneteenth become the next cinco de mayo (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah because like i get it (laughs) (laughs) i feel like as long as it's a federal holiday it won't 
Mm. But I mean, it's if, important to know what it is and where it came yeah, from. It yeah. is important to know what it is. Not just be like, oh, that's the Mexican Day of Independence, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was this is something that's now is now in the back of my mind of just like, well, I don't want to go and participate in any sales today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is kind of like it's technically the second recognized day, like federal day, because it got announced last year, like mm-hmm. a week before. Yeah. And so a lot of businesses just had like a floating holiday. <laughs> yeah, totally. Kind of have to plan ahead for that kind of stuff. So this is the first like fully scheduled federal day off for Juneteenth. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I agree. Do you know what you're reading next week to completely smoothly tangent to another well topic? Yeah. I think <laughs> I have more. X-Men and Uncanny next week. And then uh, the Magneto Rex miniseries that kind of comes out of the, the what's it called? The whole Magneto War plotline. Mm. I'm not entirely you? excited for what I have next week. Okay. Or next episode. Sure. I have a one shot called Darkhold. Okay. It has Wanda on the front. Sure. Holding the Darkhold. Yeah, and I really feel like this is the MCU creating a need for a Darkhold book. Yeah, of course. So we'll see how that goes. Savage Avengers is after that. Yeah, so we get to see what Conan's up to. See where he's walked to most recently. <laughs> Last time we saw him, he decided that the old Hellfire Club is his new castle. <laughs> right, kind of a baller move. It is. <laughs> but there is also a Fantastic Four book called Eternal Flame because last Fantastic Four volume, Doom, with all the research he's done on the Cosmic Rays stuff, made it so Johnny can't flame off. Oh. And that was in retaliation for sleeping with right. Victory. His wife. Yeah. That was weird. Victorious, not Victory. Victorious. Anyway, so we'll see. We'll see what next week brings. If if it's cool. three bad books, I may go to the fourth, and I don't remember the fourth is. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, that was fun. Sounds good. Yeah. With that, I guess we just put the like mantra music like here, and uh, we uh, load up and send off. Sounds good.